Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli, a look inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey all, hope you guys had a wonderful weekend. I wanted to take an extra day off and not post this on Memorial Day because I think Memorial Day is such an important holiday for us as we honor the people that have sacrificed their, their lives in order for our freedom here in the U.S. So to honor that, I decided to postpone the podcast for one more day. But Tuesday's here, and I want to bring you guys our next episode of Show Your Scars. And I'm excited about this one because I have Leslie Osborne Lewis, a former professional soccer player and current businesswoman and mom. Leslie takes us through how her mentality was built growing up in Wisconsin and how from a young age she just always loved the process. We dive into her jump from the Midwest to California, where she was a member of the 2001 National Championship team at Santa Clara University, and um, go Broncos always, and how people like her even feel intimidated at times, especially that first year for her at school and some of the people that she had to play with or got to play with. She lets us into some of the best moments of her career, like playing in the 2007 Women's World Cup in China, and some of the hardest things, like being the last cut from the 2004 Olympic team. We also talk about how she got through the toughest part of her career when she tore her ACL and had an ACL and ankle reconstruction at the same exact time, and how the timing of that injury really broke her heart. It's intense, and you can feel the pain and the difficulty of that situation that Leslie went through. But she got back from that injury, and Leslie had a long and great career as a pro, not only in WPS and NWSL, but also with the U.S. Women's National Team. She's now does some work for Fox Sports as a studio analyst for U.S. Women's National Team games and a founder of Sweat Cosmetics along with four of her former teammates. So she just kept creating a team of people that she loved to continue to do what she loves now. I could talk about Leslie all day. Leslie was a key part in my second ACL recovery process as we drove to physical therapy together often and listened to TI whatever you like on repeat as we pumped ourselves up to go to therapy. So Leslie and I really, um, you know, bonded. We had our own mini ACL club and our own mini injury recovery club as we went to physical therapy often and helped each other through the highs and the lows. So this is a special episode as Leslie is one of my great friends and I can't wait for you guys to hear from her personally. So here she is, Leslie Osborne Lewis. Les, I'm so excited to have you. I know, I'm so excited to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this has been a long time coming for everybody um, listening. I have known Leslie since I was just a scrawny little freshman at Santa Clara and um, our our lives have interacted and intertwined in so many different times and um, not 
not to her fault, to my fault. She's been ready to record this podcast for quite some time. So I'm excited to have her here and to get a little bit of her story because it's such a good recovery story and how she got through some tough moments. So um, Les, let's start like where you're from and what childhood looked like for you um, in the Midwest. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm actually from the good old Midwest. I'm from a little suburb outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I grew up playing a lot of different sports. I didn't start playing soccer until I was 10, so maybe um, pretty late compared to what most kids start playing these days. But I only started playing because my sister was playing and pretty much wanted to be her. And so I played soccer and basketball and tennis and track and everything that you know she did I wanted to be part of and I feel like my whole childhood memories are just playing a ton of sports and trying to keep up with my sister and her friends and um, really got into soccer competitively and seriously by the time I was 11 which was only a year after I started playing and I feel like from then on there from then on out I found this passion and love for the game and so I I just felt like my whole childhood was playing soccer. Yeah. Um, and my best memories are my family just, you know, coming around and supporting me and traveling around the world and country watching me play and represent my um, state team in Wisconsin and then eventually making the regional team and then the, the youth national team. Yeah. And you talk about how quickly you went from being, you know, not even really knowing about soccer to then becoming so transfixed by it and like, uh, going, you know, you were all about soccer. Do you remember a moment that you were like, all right, well, this can go beyond just being a competitive soccer player. I want to be a professional soccer player. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think people ask me that, like, you know, what, at what point did I realize I wanted to be a professional soccer player? And, and truthfully, I didn't even know I could. Um, you know, when I was younger, watching me and him and Lil and all them on TV. Yeah, I saw that, but I actually didn't realize that I could actually be that. It was so far away from like what I was doing, especially in my little state of Wisconsin. But I did feel like when I was in high school and I was representing the youth national teams and how much I was loving it and how much I was willing to put everything on the line, not going to my prom, not going to high school graduation, not wanting to, you know, do the social things because all I wanted to do was play I think that's when I realized too along with the recruiting that this passion and love for the game was going to take me somewhere and until I started getting those phone calls from all those college coaches with you know potential full-ride scholarships um, that was the moment my junior year in high school where I was like okay like I could go and, mm -hmm. and, and play college soccer and then there's actually an opportunity um, go on and play professionally, um, which was still so far-fetched for me. But I think that once I got into college, that's when it started to become more of a, you know, realistic option that I could go play professionally. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it was it was one of those things. It was kind of like a ladder. I literally took, you know, one step of the ladder going to the top because um, I didn't really necessarily know that I could get to the top. I just kept working my butt off and, and, and following my passion, and it kind of led to the top. That ladder analogy is so interesting because I think it probably helped you later in life too. Is that something that you remember learning from your parents or just taking one step at a time, or do you feel like it was just you were so focused on what was right in front of you that that was all that was really available or that you thought about? 
Yeah, I think the the latter part. I, I was just so I didn't know what was on top. All I knew is mm-hmm. you know what was in front of me, and and my parents didn't know either. My parents didn't grow up playing soccer. They had no clue what this game was going to bring to my life and to their lives. And they didn't even know that I, I could get a college scholarship or let alone, you know, play for these youth national teams. So I felt like we were all going through it in the moment. And there's something special about that because I truly was playing and because I loved the game so much. And I, and I just, my parents helped me shape that work ethic. My parents both worked full-time. Um, I saw them working incredibly hard in everything that they were doing and providing, you know, good family for us. And I felt like just with me and, and my school and sports and watching my sister, you know, our work ethic was our foundation. And you put the passion alongside of that. And, of course, you know, the talent that I that I did have, but how hard I worked to make sure that I was at my peak form and to be the best player I could be if you – put all of that together I think that's what helped me you know climb Mm -hmm. each step of that ladder and get to the top um but that's why it's interesting when people ask me like oh was this your dream well I didn't really know it was my (laughs) dream I felt like my foundation of working hard and passion led me to my dream yeah it's not like the you know maybe some of the listeners right now who in most sports as an athlete no matter what sport you you play if you're listening to this there is an ability to be a professional where we didn't have that growing up besides the national team. And, and that was still like, we didn't really understand, but we knew that it was playing for our country. But beyond that until, you know, you got to 99 and after there was no women's professional league. Yep, exactly. And I think there's, it's so different now. And there's more like these recipes and formulas to success. I feel like, you know, like, well, Mm -hmm. If you play on an ECNL team and then you play on an academy team and then you'll get a college scholarship and then you'll, and there's just something to be said about, you know, the passion and and the work ethic and um, the opportunities that you take advantage of and stuff that, you know, really can help you, um, you know, go for your dream. But also um, if you just stay in the moment and take it, you know, just step by step, who knows where you'll go, which is a pretty incredible feeling, um, you know, after you, after you do something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's great advice. So thinking about those years in your life, do you have a favorite memory that sticks out? Just something that like you'll always recall as a childhood athlete, like that, that play or that moment was so much fun. I think my favorite memory of just growing up before I went to college is going to basketball practice after school. And then my parents picking me up and then driving to soccer practice mm-hmm. and having club practice. And then after that practice, you know, I would see some of the boys' club teams playing and they were, you know, doing some technical work or shooting on the goalkeepers and then me wanting to go and, and hang out with the boys. And by 9 o'clock at night, I'm on my way home from, <laughs> you know, two practices plus and eating dinner and my parents, you know, having me do homework at the table. And although that's not like a crazy special, like, amazing memory like you know I I won a lot of state championships and I have like a lot of cool accolades but I think the coolest part of my childhood was like how much I loved competing I loved being part of teams I loved being in the car with my family going from one practice to another I I loved it it like literally just made my day and night and when I think back I just think about how grateful I am for my parents to give me that opportunity and shuffling me around and just giving me so much exposure Mm -hmm. playing with multiple teams and the girls and the boys and playing with my sister and her friends. So 
Um, I would just say playing, playing sports and, and being part of teams and going to club tournaments were some of my best childhood memories. It's cool that you say that too, because I think it is exactly what you had said before about that ladder, right? Like it was the process of climbing the ladder, maybe not what was at the top. It was like in the moment of, okay, I got to pull myself up here and then this step, but you enjoyed that. And that's really right there. Those two correlate. So, um, kind of seamless, seamlessly. And you mentioned your sister was a big impact on you when you were growing up, um, is there anybody else that sticks out as someone that really had a big impact on who you were as a person or an athlete? Yeah. Oh, it's tough. I feel like, you know, you look back and so many people like shaped your lives in, in some way, but I think just growing up again until I got to college, um, because once I got to college and I came to California, I felt like I turned another chapter in my life, but just having my mom and dad, I think um, I talked about it briefly before, but just growing up in the Midwest and, and having my parents just instill that, you know, work ethic foundation and being good to people and being passionate and giving 100%, never allowing me to quit in anything I was doing um, and to give everything I had. And, you know, if, if my grades weren't up to par, I, I couldn't play my sports. And so it's all about making sure that I was working hard and having a positive attitude in in everything I was doing. Otherwise I wasn't able to do the things that, you know, made me so happy. And I think that they just helped instill this like, um, uh, part of me that is my foundation. And I, and I'm so thankful for, you know, um, especially now being a mother. And then I talk about, you know, my, all my amazing club coaches and, and coaches I had growing up, which I was super thankful to have so many positive role models in my life. And then when I got to Santa Clara in California, um, my college coach was a mentor for me that not only helped me in my college career, but helped me really be a, a better person and a better leader. And so I feel like, you know, every chapter of my life, uh, childhood, college, professionally, and now post-professional soccer career into the entrepreneur world, I feel like I've been just very fortunate to be surrounded by so many amazing people in my life that have given and shaped me in some way um, and form. So just uh, there's so many people that it's just hard to even really mention, but I would always go back to my parents and just kind of what they instilled in my foundation. Mm-hmm. And they did instill this this work ethic, this desire within you. And that gave you this big leap from this Midwest girl out to a little school (laughs) in California called Santa Clara University. Was that a dream school for you? Yeah, it was. I, 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 when I was starting to go through the college process in high school, I watched them play and they just played so beautifully. And, and there was something about going to California and playing soccer that I just always imagined. Me too. It was just the place to be. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it came down between Notre Dame and Santa Clara, and my parents um, supported me regardless, but they wanted me to go to Notre Dame because it was closer to Wisconsin, too, selfishly mm-hmm. for them. I think that that would have been a, <laughs> an easier fit for them, but at the end of the day, they told me it was my choice. And so when I went on both my visits and I and I got out to Santa Clara, and, you know, the coaches, Jerry and Brandy, were like, okay, so what do you think? And I was like, I want to come. And they're like, oh, no, we weren't even asking you about <laughs> committee and they were asking what I thought just about my experience so far and so I think think once I got out here and I you know stepped out of the Midwest and I came out here to such a beautiful place and felt like it was like the team was my family already and this small campus it was just like resort like and I felt 
just like it was it was time for me to take that next step and and honestly like to play soccer there and to go to such an academically um profound school it was just it was just a dream for me and I think once that my parents gave me that green light and and that opportunity to be independent and make my own choice um I haven't looked back it was the best decision of my life and and now you know however many years later I'm living back out here down the road from Santa Clara mm-hmm. University so that's Can't how much get I away. love this place <laughs> Yeah. So 2001 is your first year out there and you're a freshman and you're playing less with like some of the best players to really ever play our women's soccer. Were you intimidated? Uh, of course. Of course. Um, I, Allie Wagner, hello. I mean, she might be the most intimidating player you could play with as a freshman. I remember her yelling like, Abby, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't played forward, but sure, you know, I mean, of course. But at the same time, they were super welcoming. And Danielle Slayton, the captain at the time, pulled me aside and treated me like, you know, I was her little sister. And not only was I, you know, having a completely big transition in my life coming from Wisconsin to Santa Clara, I'm also a freshman playing on, you know, this amazing team with amazing players. So it was a huge transition. Um, And yes, they were intimidating. But at the same time, I think that we just gelled. And that freshman year is obviously one of my best memories of my life. But we just, it was like we were family and we were ready to take on the world and accomplish something that the school hadn't accomplished Uh before. So um, yes, that intimidation factor is always a good one to have as long as it's balanced out with you know, making sure that, you know, the younger players are taken care of, which I was. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, to answer your question, intimidation factor, uh-huh. <laughs> very high. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And if you could describe that season, what it felt like, and really the feeling of raising that trophy at the end and being crowned a national champion, is it describable? I think it, it, it gives me goosebumps even talking about it. I think it's something like, being a freshman, you don't even know what to expect because it's your first time playing collegiate soccer. You have no idea. People tell you, okay, it's faster. You have to be stronger. It's a different game, different pace. But until you go through it, you really don't know. And I feel like it was one of those seasons, especially with um, you know, 9-11 happening, that mm-hmm. we went through some major highs and lows together. And for us to accomplish what we did, you know, the small school in California, um, it was a dream season, but again, it's kind of like going back to that ladder where, yeah, maybe I knew that our team goal was to make the national championship and to win, but you really don't know all the steps involved and what it's going to take to actually win that. And so when I look back, it's like, it was an amazing season. And I think it was transforming for me as a player in person, but it was also one of those seasons where after you win the national championship, you're fresh you want to repeat that over and over Uh and over and so when you hit that standard you know and that standard is winning at the highest level possible it only was there was point positive taking it away and and continuing on each year after that but that season was um so memorable in so many ways playing with amazing players going through you know everything that we went through as a team and as a country and how much it impacted us and also just being a freshman in college and you know, experiencing everything that you do as a freshman in college, 
um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. And all mm-hmm. the little things, you know, I still remember them like it was, you know, not too long ago because that's how impactful it was in my life and my career. Mm-hmm. We tried to get you another one last uh, 2004, your last season there. And oh. gosh, I'll never forget that. Those last waning moments of the game, just trying to get oh. a goal in a semifinal to make it to the championship and kind of sandwich your career on two national championships. But Man, no, sorry we couldn't sweet. do it. It was still good. It was yeah. so good. Um, so 2004, earlier in that year, does January 30th ring, ring a bell to you? Oh, Against Sweden? January 30th. Oh, that was my first cap. Cool. Right? Yeah, girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you just talk about a high moment, and now, you know, throughout your college career, you're starting to get in the mix with the full women's national team. Um, and there was a possibility of you making the Olympic team that year. How, how cool was it to have that first cap and to kind of see really that end of the ladder? You, you got a glimpse of that moment, right? In, in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's one of those things where like you in college, you think about it and like, you know, you work so hard to get that opportunity to get that call up. And then by the time you get your name called and you actually go into the game and, you know, Mia hand, your childhood stars are on the field with you. It's, it's just so surreal. And it's hard to explain like what actually that feeling that went into me other than like, Holy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm so freaking out right now. I'm so excited (laughs) slash nervous. And, you know, once you get that first touch on the ball, I don't even remember anything after that. It was just like one of those moments where you're like, you wish you could soak up, but it felt like it just was like so crazy, right? To actually think about like that feeling and actually having it happen after Mm -hmm. so long of thinking about it. And so I think 2004 was a life changing year for me. I think to be part of that team and, and to take off school in the winter and spring and to go to residency and you know, live and, and day in and day out trained multiple times a day with, you know, Christine Lilly, Julie Foudy, Mia Han, people that, you know, you are so intimidated by and that you've looked up to your whole childhood. Um, and to walk away from the college game and to, you know, give up school and, and college and really focus on one thing. And, and that thing is making the Olympic team. And there was only four of us uh, collegiate athletes at the time, Lindsay Tarpley, Heather O'Reilly, myself and Lori Kletney and we were these four little babies trying to make this Olympic team and it was just it was a crazy year in terms of like I gave everything I had and at the end of the day um, when they put that roster up um, there were two of us that made it and two of us that didn't and I was one of the two or actually two of the four that didn't make it and it was really heartbreaking for me Mm -hmm. and to go back and my college um, team and and my college uh, career it was super hard to I lost my passion I was I was just over soccer I felt like I had zero confidence I remember my college coach asking me Leslie he sat me down he said what are you good at and I was literally looked at him like I I don't know what I'm good at and that when you get to that point as a player and no matter what sport and you literally cannot name one thing that you're good at that's when you hit rock bottom and I felt like of my whole career that's when I hit rock bottom because I gave everything I had. I gave up school. I gave up my friends. I put everything in one basket to make that Olympic team and I didn't make it. And then to go back to my college team 
that was a huge, huge transition for me, but it was also life like changing. And I learned so much about myself and about where I wanted to go in my career and what it was going to take to play at that level. How did you rebound from that? What was the, you know, you Um, mentioned that moment of, yeah. Yeah. Like literally you and, and the team, like I had fun again, like to come on the field with everybody to see everyone having fun and to be like, to know that, people loved me and wanted me on the field with them and to feel like I had a role and that I was going to have an impact and just to find that love again, love for the game again, that moment. Um, and it took a while. It took a couple months for me to regroup, but once that I had that and to have fun being on the field with everyone and traveling and, and, and feeling like I had my purpose and I was just had to kind of walk away from the game and, and really just regroup. Um, that college season, my senior year, was one of the most special um, phases of my career because I felt like as a group we we took a team that a lot of people didn't think we were going to be very good, and we we had a very very special year, and we um, came together, and and I have so many amazing memories for that year. So I'm just thankful for my experience at Santa Clara that helped really turn my career back around. Mm-hmm. And anybody that knows you less, like, knows you play hard, right? You're the queen of um, defensive bicycle kicks. You have a mentality like <laughs> you, you have a mentality like no other. Um, but really, towards you know that part in your career too, it started taking a toll on your body, and you get an ankle reconstruction after your senior year in college. Do you feel like that set you up to really um, get to that next? point in your career you know because the next thing that you hit career-wise was a really big milestone for you but do you feel like that injury and that recovery was almost um, perfect timing in fact that it helped you remember why you did what you did yeah yeah I guess you know um, when you go through a major injury like that especially after such highs of your college career and literally it was the moment I turned professional and so you know, I, I felt like my only opportunity was to make the U.S. national team at that point because the league folded to have a huge con- reconstruction surgery and to be out eight months was, was really tough. Mm-hmm. And again, I had to, um, I took that opportunity to take a break because I really had never had a break in my whole entire life. Once I got started playing soccer, I was all the way in. And so that, I think, was an opportunity for me just to step away, to regroup, to almost make me realize how much I wanted it and it made me literally go again like slow steps baby process the ladder and working myself back to full form which takes a really long time when you reconstruct any body part Uh um but when I did come back from that ankle surgery and I did get my next cap again in 2005 you're right I did feel like I I was in stride and it was almost like 2005 and getting back in with that team really set me up for making that World Cup team in 2007. Yeah, you went to the World Cup after a huge ankle reconstruction. Like, that is so, it's really amazing when you think about it. When you're not in the mix of things, right, Les? Like, when we're not there and we don't think about all the things we overcome, because you just do it when you're in the moment, right? But when you look back at it and think, like, really what you accomplished is so remarkable. And making you know seeing your name on that roster for the 2007 world cup had to be like a moment that just brought tears to your eyes yeah especially when you know you don't make a team and you remember Mm -hmm. what that feels like yeah um and i think that that makes you really 
savor and, and appreciate and, and really soak it all in when you have that, um, you know, different experience. Because when that moment when I didn't see my name on the list versus you actually see your name, I was so uh, aware of how other people were feeling. I, there's just certain things that you appreciate and you look out after being a player when you go through such a hard time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when I did make it, now I'm thinking about the people who didn't. And now I'm thinking about, you know, how lucky I am and how fortunate I am. And I'm super thankful because I experienced the opposite of that. So, yeah, it was a pretty special time. And I felt like, you know, that World Cup was, you know, a, a huge um, just breaking point in my career where I, you know, got to play every game. And I think started four out of the six games or five out of six games. And I really felt like the team needed me and I was, um, I had a role and I was going to make this impact, especially with Shannon Box going down. So it was a, it was a pretty, um, yeah, it was a pretty special year for me in 2007. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that's one for the books. Um, yeah, I still remember watching you and Marion play and just being so proud of my teammates who had overcome really difficult injuries and had gotten back to this moment in these places where they just looked like themselves again. And they, um, you know, that's a really mm -hmm. cool, cool moment. Um, and so you follow that up by... Uh, the following year is an Olympic year again, right? That's the way women's soccer works. A World Cup year followed right by an Olympic year. And um, this time, you know, your name was mm -hmm. on the list. What do you think is harder, Les? There, your name being on the list or what happened after your name was on the list? Or n your name not yeah. being on the list, excuse me, oh. or, or the latter? Yeah, I mean, oh my God. I feel like that moment of seeing it right and mm -hmm. knowing that I accomplished my goal like that's all I wanted to do was after making the world cup team is make that olympic team because mm -hmm. of what happened in 2004 and literally days after um your birthday you know, my right? life changed yeah it was your my birthday. birthday and um it was literally like a nightmare but it was almost like so surreal that you can't imagine something like that happening because of everything that I had gone through to make that team. So, mm -hmm. um, and the crazy part was, is I was actually defending Heather Miss on the play and Heather Miss is the defender. So she should have been defending me. Um, right. But you know, that moment when my knee went out and I heard that pop, um, it was done. I knew right away. And I remember going to the bench and I remember people carrying me up the field. And I remember my best friends, uh, Lindsay Tarpley and Heather Riley telling me to stay positive. It could have been scar tissue. It could have been, you know, something else, Leslie. Like I knew, you know, yeah. I knew what happened. Um, but you know, just like anything, it takes you a while for it to really kind of set in to actually what actually like what it would feel like to know that I will not be going to the Olympics and I'll be watching from home. Um, and so I felt like it was just like, it was a bad dream. It was mm -hmm. just a bad, bad dream. And it took me a while to actually wake up and really understand, um, what happened because it's something that you dream of, you know, as a little kid and, you know, especially what happened in 2004, it was, it was yeah. really like my only goal to make that team and, and, and to, to go through an ACL is something that, you know, you hear other people go through, but until you go through it, you have no idea. Yeah. Um, and so. And you never was, think it's uh, going to happen to you. No, no. You're like, God, an ACL. Yeah. You, you hear about it. You hear long rehab. You hear about, um, you know, mentally and psych like, it just so much. You hear so much about the impact it has on people, but 
you until you actually go through it, you don't understand in mm-hmm. in any way possible. You try to have as much empathy as you can, but it's it's literally something that you have to experience to to know how much it can change your life, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when you called me after that news, and I, I mean, still thinking about that conversation, I get my eyes water because that's, you know, it was a really, not many people can imagine what that was like for you, Les, and um, the fact that you faced whatever came next um, head on, I think is a true testament to your character and to your belief in yourself and your love for, you know, what you were doing. And, um, it was really cool to witness that as, you know, someone that had looked up to you for a long time. And during that rehab process, we actually got to spend a lot of time together. We rehabbed together. We drove Mm -hmm. our hours to rehab together. Um, but you, you interesting enough did a double duty you did acl reconstruction and ankle reconstruction at the same time (laughs) thinking back were you like am i crazy (laughs) oh my god i just remember when um the mris came back and you know the doctor called me the usa team doctor's like listen i got some good news and i got some bad news i'm like well tell me the good news like you know Mm -hmm. please and he's like well you told your acl but you only tore your ACL. I'm like, oh, that's the good news? You know, like, that's, like, that was, like, the reality of what was happening to me, you know? Yeah. And he's like, the bad news is uh, you tore your ankle, too, and you're going to have to have an ACL reconstruction and an ankle reconstruction. Mm. I'm like, awesome. And so after talking to five doctors, four out of the five doctors told me that, A, I wouldn't play soccer again, and B, they wouldn't operate on me at the same time, that they would have to do my knee first and then my ankle, which would mean I'd be out for a year and a half, two years. And so if it wasn't for Dr. Dillingham, and you know Dr. Dillingham very well, and taking on and saying, you know what, I'm going to do both the surgeries at the same time, your rehab is going to be a lot more difficult, Mm -hmm. but I promise you, you will run again, and I hope to get you back out on the field again. And from... You know, then out, I mean, I I just didn't want people to feel sorry for me. It was like I, I just woke up every day and I felt like people looked at me like with this, you know, empathy in their eyes, which was super great. But I also didn't want people to feel bad for me. I felt like I had to just change my perspective and go, okay, there's so much more worse stuff that could be happening to me right now. Like my family's healthy. I'm healthy. Like I tore my ACL and ankle. And yes, that's like tragedy, you know, tragic in the soccer world and being a professional athlete. But the only way that got me through that is thinking about like having a good perspective Mm -hmm. and not letting people feel sorry for me and controlling what I control and just knowing that I could just go after every day and work my ass off and have a positive attitude and just do whatever was in my control to try to walk and run and then one day play soccer again. So, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I look back and I'm thankful for that time because I feel like that, you know, that was a moment where I really had to evaluate, you know, how bad I wanted it. And, you know, if I weren't able to play soccer again, like the four other doctors told me what I was going to do and find another passion in my life in case I could never play again. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned that perspective because I think that's really a big part of getting successfully fully through this process is like understanding that, yeah, this is really difficult and I'm not taking anything away from how difficult it is, but on a scale of like how difficult things could be, 
like we get to get fixed, right? We get to go to physical therapy. We have the ability to get yeah. back from this. And um, really that we should think of, think in a different perspective that we're kind of lucky in that way that we do get to get healthy again. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's just teaching yourself and having positive people and having people that have impacted your life remind you and help shape like what your perspective is because Uh you're right, Jordan, like we are able to hopefully at one point get back to walking again and running again. And there are a lot of people that don't have that opportunity. And it's just about how you look at something and how you tackle something and, and how positive you are going into it and reminding yourself that it could be worse because really it can be worse. And so if you have people that are helping pump that into you, because it's hard to wake up every day and be positive. It's hard every day to think about it in, in that perspective every day. But if you have people that are lifting you up and reminding you and helping you through this process and having that great support system, that's what helps you get through this stuff. Do you recall the hardest moment during that recovery? Yes. Um, watching my team play in that first game uh, with Abby Wambach because Abby had broken her leg. We were in her apartment um, and they were walking out for the national anthem and it just hit me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I did really well up until that point, like just with being positive and just really like focusing on like what's ahead and just taking it day by day. And that moment where I saw my team and my teammates like mm-hmm. walk out on the field it was something that I can't, I can't even describe. Yeah. Um, but having Abby there with me helped. Um, but, you know, everyone deals with, you know, um, tragedy and, and, and really hard times in different ways. So I felt like um, it was good to have her there and, and to be good friends and to go through it together. But at the same time, like, all I wanted to do was crawl up and be by myself and wake up from this terrible, terrible dream because I was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that, that was the moment where it really just, I went through, you know, a couple really, really, really tough, dark days where I just wanted to be by myself and I yeah. needed to get through it by myself. Mm-hmm. And I think acknowledging whatever it, it is for you in those moments is it's okay to feel like you want people around. It's okay to feel like you don't want people around. Like, I think it's, it's going to be different from every person and um, just acknowledging what yep. maybe is right for you in that time is really key. And one of the things you continue to talk about less is your your work ethic and how hard you worked and you did physically I think I actually think injuries physically for athletes is not hard right we just put our head to it and we're like we're gonna work hard but the mental side is such a game changer right um what did you do mentally to help you get through it were you did you use visualization or affirmations or is there something that you can remember through this process that really helped you on the mental side Yeah, I think all of the above. Um, I tried everything. Um, I had people that had torn their ACLs that I would talk to um, for positive stories, to talk through the process with them. Um, You know, people like you where, you know, you knew what I was going through and I could see what you have done being past it. Um, I would watch myself playing tape before I got hurt. Uh, I would read books. I would would have like a journal with all positive quotes. Um, I would get my mind off things and try to go to my happy places. I would designate certain times of the day where I would only focus on my knee and think about my knee and then try to do other things where I was, you know, not. 
I feel like, honestly, if you had a list of 20, top 20 ways to, um, you know, try to uh, get back from an ACL or a major injury and, and ways that have helped people, I probably tried all of them. <laughs> um, and I can't tell you what worked and what, it, what didn't work. All I know is that I think that the positivity, the role models, the people that had gone through this before that I saw play again or that were happy and positive helped me, books helped me, any positive um, reinforcements and motivational quotes, quotes to get me through it um, just really, really helped me. But I was doing everything I could yeah. to try to get you know my mind off of what was actually happening and, and try to um, look at the big picture and also just stay positive and know that it is going to be a long road and to take it day by day because that's I think that's the hardest part is you literally can't get ahead of yourself and just trying to put your head down and literally stick to the game plan and just going through a daily process every single day that can be a really really long time so many good takeaways from that but one of the things that really sticks out to me is you kept saying try 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 you tried a lot of things and it is trying right like it's not easy to be positive it's not easy to wake up every morning and be like here we go again okay now I gotta think I can't think like that I have to think positive like that's a lot of work but um, putting that work in especially on the mental side seemed to really help you yes absolutely Mm -hmm. Um, I think the toughest part was just I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this is just, you know, I would be icing my knee down in, you know, the training room and I would have a teammate come in that just got finished with practice and she would not be fully aware and conscious of like what was happening with me. She would be in her own world and complain about how shitty practice was or, you know, uh, oh, we had to run, you know, and I just remember thinking, oh my God, like you're so lucky that you got to run 300 yard shuttles. Like you are so lucky that, you know, but again it's, it's perspective and once you go through something like this you're so much more aware more aware um and it's going to change you forever and you're going to be a better teammate a better person a better family member you're just going to be so much more a cognitive of what is happening around you and i think will help you be a better leader too once you do come back is because now you've been in the shoes of so many different people of injuries and and coming back from something so significant so I think it can it's a positive it's just during it can be really tough but you always have to think about just like why this happened to you and staying positive um, Mm -hmm. and literally day by day because you'll 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 go crazy if you don't (laughs) is that your biggest takeaway the empathy that you kind of that grew within you during the process yeah I, I do I think my empathy and just being aware of of so many people's different situations and and trying to just be a better teammate and a better leader and a better person um, Uh and just help open my eyes to what's happening around me all the time um and I'm I'm thankful for it I think it happened to me uh for a reason and although it's hard to know why it happened to you in the moment and and why you know God would do this and why now why the timing's never going to be right, but you know, I, I there's always going to be um, positive outcomes. You're always going to look back, and I know, and you know, Jordan more than anybody is this injury and this has made me stronger than I ever thought I was, and I'm a different person now because yeah. of what happened to me, and it's changed my life forever. If you could tell somebody, say Martha. Don't know why that's the first name that came to my head. (laughs) Martha's standing in front of you and she's saying, Leslie, I'm just about to start this process. What advice would you give me? What would you tell her? 
Oh, I hate to, I, I don't want to like repeat myself, but I would tell Martha um, to take a step back to, you know, um, because once you get hurt, you know, you're, you are, have to wait that chunk of time before you have surgery, which is really hard because the doctor wants you, you know, less swollen and as strong as you possibly can be. But I would say three things. One, surround yourself with positive people, have a, an amazing support system. Two, keep things in perspective, because if you do that, it will help keep you in check every day. And three, take it day by day. Mm -hmm. um, literally take it day by day, because, um, you know, that's, I think that's the hardest part. But if you know that every day you have a little goal and, and literally, you know, if you can literally take it day by day and not look too far ahead, it's going to be a much easier um, process. So those would be my three um, takeaways for Martha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Martha. Good old Martha. Um, okay, three more questions. Um, one, how sweet was that game, the first game back after this injury? Oh, so sweet. I remember Rachel Bueller and I were captains for FC Gold Pride and it was a national anthem and uh, we were holding hands like our whole line and I just started crying and I remember her looking back at me and not even asking me, like, what's wrong? She just knew because that moment a year and a half later of being out on the field again, um, regardless if it was for the U.S. national team, regardless of, like, the fact that I got to play professionally again for three more, four more years after my injury was something that, um, yes, yeah, it, it, was, it was truly amazing. I love it. Um, and a, a person that knows exactly what that was like, as Rachel Bueller had gone through this recovery process to herself so um kind yep. of what you mentioned surrounding yourself with those people who know exactly what you're going through um the last couple things I like to do is just um you know from me to you Les I think it's important to acknowledge you know we don't know why things happen to us right and we don't know why we go through what we go through but I think when we do have that perspective to look back and say, this is why it happened. Um, you know, my career significantly changed when we, we were in this injury together because then beyond that, you, you were a big part of me coming to Boston and being your teammate at a professional level. And, um, I just have to say, I am so thankful for your leadership, for your friendship and for just the, what you showed every single day in training as, um, you know, good days and bad days, right? You showed up. And I think mm -hmm. people, I, I want to acknowledge you for that. And I think that's something that you still do in your life today. So thank you very much for that, Les. Thanks, Jordan. And yeah. I'm super happy that I got to be part of your rookie season and to have such an amazing rookie season and have such an impact on our team. Um, Jordan is truly amazing. And um, you know, to play college with you and professionally with you is, is very, very special and have so many amazing memories that mm -hmm. I will never, never forget. Yeah. Um, before I ask you the last question, any, anything about, um, kind of life right now, where can people connect you with you or what's maybe talk a little bit about sweat and, um, how cool this is to be, go from a pro soccer player to a pro entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I have two little babies right now under the age of 19 months, so that's really fun. Um, I'm also co-founder of Sweat Cosmetics that we started while we were playing professional soccer, actually with the Boston Breakers. 
look us up at Sweat Cosmetics. We are a makeup and sunscreen company designed for uh, by athletes for active women. So all of our products are sunscreen SPF 30 based, and they're designed for women to feel good, look good, and play good. And um, it's been a fun journey, a crazy journey. Um, anytime you you know become an entrepreneur, it's 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 hard to explain the the ebbs and flows of of what happens. But it's been truly special, and to be part of a company with my former teammates. It's pretty cool, so you can check me out there. And um, also, I'm so involved in soccer in the women's game. I, I work for Fox Sports and do um, the U.S. Women's National Team games. So um, I'm I love that I get to be part of you know my my first passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tune in. Women's National Team's playing in Salt Lake City on June 7th. I want to say off the top of my head. Um, yep. Yep, June 7th, so check out Leslie there, and go check out Sweat Cosmetics, everybody. Like, this stuff is amazing, especially for all all you outdoorsy people. Most of you people at some point or another are outdoors. So um, the last thing I like to close with, Les, is um, the podcast is called Show Your Scars, and when you look down at your scars and you see them, what do they mean to you? Those are my battle wounds. I just showed my scars on Saturday because I had to wear a little jumper. And I was showing my uh, hair lady, like, all my battle wounds. And I'm, like, super proud of them. I don't cover them up. I remind myself when I see them just how much I gave. um, And they remind me how tough I was and how much, you know, I went through to be where I'm at. And um some days I look at them and it brings back, you know, some sad, crazy memories. But mo- the majority of the time I look at them and I'm thankful that they helped me get to where I'm at. And um, I'm lucky enough to be able to have those wounds to, you know, have all the memories that I do. Nice. You're a warrior. You are a warrior, Les. Um, thank you so much for your time. Nice. I've, <laughs> I've really enjoyed having you on here. And thanks for sharing your story with us. Thanks, Jordan. Honored to be um, on here and love what you're doing and keep up all the amazing work. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation I had with Leslie. She is a warrior. That is definitely true. And I loved what she said there at the end about what her scars mean to her. If you guys want to follow Leslie along as she does what she does, not only in soccer, but in Swiss Sweat Cosmetics, I've tagged everything in the show notes, and you can follow her there. I, as always, appreciate so much you guys taking the time to listen to this. I hope it inspires you, encourages you, and mostly I hope it empowers you that you feel like you are just like everybody else because I think we all go through the same mental battles when we're going through injury. And to know that other people feel the same way should empower you to know that maybe you are on the right track. Maybe that you have to go through these hard things to get through to the other side, which is going to be so much better than you could ever imagine. So continue the path. Enjoy the process, just like Leslie did. And I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode of Show Your Scars. So go out there. And it's summer, so our scars should be out in full force. Show them with pride.